Today we're continuing on in our BYOB, Bring Your Own Bible series, uh, the series this month that we're calling Together, and we're studying the book of Philippians, and we're looking at Philippians for a good reason. This is the time of year when people are reassessing their lives, and they're trying to decide what really matters and to focus on those things. And we decided it would be a good thing to do as a church to focus on what really matters. And the book of Philippians is a book that is all about what really matters. And today we're going to be looking at what I believe is one of the most um, important passages in all of the New Testament letters. And that is Philippians 1, 27 through chapter 2, verse 18, and it's a passage that is often referred to as living as citizens of heaven, and it's 22 verses long, and now you know me, that's a lot to cover in 25 minutes, but I'm going to do what I do. I'm just going to read through the verses and uh, comment on them, and what I think that we'll get to in this is that we'll find that this is an amazing and really important passage if we want to know what really matters. Now, if, if you haven't listened to Barry's two sermons previously to this, I suggest that you read them. They contain a lot of helpful background, a lot of uh, good application, and it would be good for you to listen to those in conjunction with what I'm about to say. But before we get started, I'd like to pray, and then we'll get going. So would you pray with me for a second? Father, we are thankful that you love us. We thank, we're thankful for your word to us. And I pray that everything that I say today will honor you and will lead us to a closer walk with your son. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, again, uh, this series is intended to get us thinking about what really matters. And I can tell you what really mattered in Philippi, Roman citizenship really mattered. Uh, Barry told you some of the history about this, but a couple of reminders. Philippi was, um, I would say it was an important city because it had been declared an official Roman coloni, as they would say in Latin, and that meant that this city was designated as a place for Roman military uh, people to retire. When they retired, that would be a great place for them to live. And we know from archaeology that Rome had spent a lot of money making Philippi a great city. And the reason was they wanted the soldiers to go there and retire and have a great time. the The bottom line was this, that if a soldier had served 25 years in the army or 26 years in the Navy, why the difference, I don't know, but if they'd served that long, When they retired, they and all of their children born while they were in the service became full Roman citizens. And this was a high honor. Citizenship mattered. Plus, Rome had granted all natural-born Philippians full Roman citizenship as well. So what this meant was that Philippi was made up of a whole bunch of military people and their families who were all Roman citizens. And anybody who was born in Philippi was also a Roman citizen. And 
They took this Roman citizenship very seriously. It mattered. And what we're going to see is that Paul, who was also a Roman citizen, was going to write in ways that resonated with these Philippian citizens of Rome. And the case he's going to, to bring up is that being a citizen of Rome does matter, but being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, now that really matters. So let's just get right to the scripture. If you look at verse 27, verse 27 of chapter 1 of Philippians, we'll start there. Starts out above, oh, above all. Wait, I have to stop right there. Above all. That, that first word in the Greek is a small word, and I wanted to share it with you because we use the word all the time around here. The word is monon. And monon, um, I would say the best way to translate monon would be uh, whatever happens or above all or always or something like that. But the point of this word generally was for Greek writers to mark in their text that they're about to change their subject matter. And boy, does Paul change his subject matter right here. He shifts everything. Up to this point in the first 26 verses, he's been talking about his own life. He's been talking about his own heart, about what's on his mind, what he has been doing. In fact, I think the word I is found 30 times, I think, it's 30 times in those first 26 verses. But once we hit the word monon, after monon, everything switches, and what we get to is Paul talking about what he believes the Christians in Philippi, what they should be doing with their lives, and how they should be thinking and what it meant for them to be citizens of heaven. Oh, and one interesting thing before I go on and read these first few verses, that the verses 27 through 30 in the Greek is one long sentence, and it only has one verb in it, one verb in it, and the verb is, it's polit ies thei. Polit ies, and that's a hard one for me to say, it's Polit ius they. That's it. Polit ius they. And this word had a very specific meaning. It meant to live out all of the responsibilities of a good citizen. And these responsibilities really mattered. They really mattered. Citizenship was important. All of the citizens of the Roman Empire were called to this high level of always taking part in the affairs of the community. A good citizen was a person who saw their lives as an integral part of the whole community. Being a good citizen had nothing to do with claiming your individual rights. And it had everything to do with doing your duty to make certain that society worked well. And what this meant was that everyone who was a citizen just assumed they had obligations to everyone else. And these, ob these obligations, they really mattered. And so while citizenship did come with some rights and privileges, such as you had special legal rights if you were a citizen, that were different from all the rest of the people in the empire and you got to vote for who went to the Senate on your behalf, those sorts of things. But these, these uh, rights and privileges also came 
with very strong responsibilities and expectations, citizenship rights and privileges along with the responsibilities and expectations of what you would do as a citizen were part of the fabric of the life of people in Philippi. These things mattered. And Paul, as a Roman citizen, knew all about this. So watch as I read how he used notions of privileges and expectations to speak to the Philippian Christians about their new and very important citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Let's look at verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Now there's that Greek word I said earlier. Conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news of Christ. Then whether whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. And we are in this struggle together. And you have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Now he starts out by giving a number of what I would say are expectations. First he says you're supposed to live in a manner that's worthy of the good news of Christ. That makes sense. Your life is supposed to to represent Jesus. And then he says, stand in one spirit, one purpose. It's interesting, he says you're supposed to be fighting together. The word there is literally a military word for wrestling or hand-to-hand combat. And notice you're supposed to do that, what? Together, stand together. And then there's a great thing here where he says, don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. That word there is the word Turo in the Greek, and what it means is, it's, it's a great image. But this is a shy horse who is spooked by every noise. He says, don't do that, don't be that person. He says, stand together, don't be spooked by your enemies. He says, these are expectations that you should live by. And then he switches to talk about privileges. He named two in this passage this passage, privileges of being citizens of heaven. The first one was what? It was says you, he says, you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ. And can I say, I have never thought of being able to trust in Christ as a privilege until I paid attention to what Paul was saying here. I have to think about it, but it, the fact that I know him and believe in him and trust him It's a privilege that comes with citizenship in his kingdom. And then he says the other privileges that we get to suffer, the word is struggle in our suffering alongside of what one another. Interestingly, the primary reason that Paul and the Philippian Christians were suffering was because the rest of the community called them bad citizens because they were showing allegiance to a different Lord than Caesar. They were claiming Jesus as Lord. And this is just about the time that Caesar declared that no one else but him could be called the curios, 
the one who controls everything. The word we translate as Lord. But Paul goes on, he plays down the struggles by going back to a list of the privileges that we have when, he start, when chapter two starts. And it's interesting, he doesn't preach to them. They're his friends after all. What he does is he goes to being rhetorical. He asks them questions that lead them to having to think about it and then answer it. Well, here, I'll just read them. It says, in chapter two, verse one, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? And being a citizen in the kingdom of heaven because you belong to Christ. Well, is there any encouragement in that? Yes. He says, is there any comfort from his love? Yes. And any fellowship together in the spirit? Yes. And are your hearts tender and compassionate? Well, yes, yes. These are all, these are all coming straight from, from Jesus because we're following him. And so he says, okay, these are privileges that you get. You get this comfort and you get this encouragement. But if so, then look, he goes right back to expectations. He says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with one another and loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose and don't be selfish and don't try to impress others and be humble thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too. This is like boom, 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 boom. And if you carefully look at this list, this list of eight things that he says we're supposed to do. These are expectations of people who are citizens in the kingdom of heaven. And they all have to do with making our community work well together for everyone. We're supposed to do all this together. And then he shows us that this kind of attitude should reflect the attitude that Jesus already have. In fact, in fact, the Greek of verse five, which in the NLT says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus or Christ Jesus had. The raw translation in the Greek is the thinking among you should be like the thinking that was in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. It's, and, and Paul then goes right into telling us about Jesus's thinking. But he does this by writing what many believe was a first century church hymn. And it's a hymn that is written in a manner that is very common for this time. It's, it's a hymn that is in praise of the emperor. And there were lots of hymns written about Caesar. This one is about our king. This one is about our emperor. It's in praise of Emperor Jesus. Now, I'm just going to read it. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. But Paul is really clear who he thinks Jesus is, isn't he? He thinks he's God. He believes he's God. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Can I just say in the order of society. It goes from emperor to citizens and then on down and the very bottom were the slaves. They weren't even considered people. He appeared in human form. He humbled him. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God 
and died a criminal's death on a cross. Okay, this death on a cross was the highest form of humiliation a person could have. You could not be crucified if you were a Roman citizen. And the point of crucifixion was to leave you hanging on a cross for three or four days naked so people could come by and humiliate you even more. This was a terrible humiliation. And yet it says Jesus humbled himself to that. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. There's the Caesar thing. Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I think I should say amen there. Say amen. The next step or the next section the next section begins with a Greek word that isn't in the NLT translation. The word is hoste, and it's generally translated like so then, or therefore, or well then. It's like, uh, let's all take a deep breath now that we have just been through something amazing. Let's all just step back, take a deep breath. Think about who it is we were just talking about, who matters more than anybody. Clearly, our emperor does. And then he goes on to give us a number of things that are important for us to remember that we're still supposed to do if we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And I'm just going to read them out here. It's we're supposed to work hard so that as good citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we are showing the results of our salvation and we're to obey God. Good citizens of the kingdom obey God. And when we do that, it's, Paul says that we're working to show that God is working in us and that we are filled with power to do what he says. And he says, don't complain or argue. Good citizens of the kingdom of heaven, they do not act in this manner and people can't criticize you if you're not arguing and complaining. And he says, live clean, innocent lives so that you as a citizen of heaven can be a shining light, he says, in a world full of crooked and perverse people. And then he says, hold on to the word of life so that you as a good citizen of heaven will be ready when your emperor comes for us. This is powerful stuff that we need to remember is important if we are citizens of heaven. I think probably the most important of these final expectations is the one that says live li- live your life as be clean and innocent as children of God shining like bright lights in a world of crooked and perverse people light was valuable it changed everything when it came into the darkness and it's interesting that when Paul writes that we live in a crooked and perverse world or generation, he's, he's actually quoting Jesus. He's quoting Jesus because Jesus said in Matthew 17 that we live in a crooked and perverse world. And then Jesus was actually quoting Moses who said the exact same thing in Deuteronomy 32 verse 5. If you look at those, what they are both saying before is that the world is filled with people who need something that they can't get unless we live in a manner that opens the world up to the truth. 
if, unless we live in a manner that brings light into the world. And Jesus is our emperor. And Moses is the top, I would say, the most revered messenger of God in all of Scripture. And both of them say what? It's how we live. Not just what we say or what we believe, but it's how we live that matters when it comes to overcoming the crookedness and the perversity, if you will, in the world that our kingdom has come into the world to do away with. So here at the beginning of 2021, what is it that this passage tells us really matters? I have a list. I want to just read it out to you. It's one, our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven matters. It takes precedence, precedence over all other allegiances, period. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have accepted his offer of forgiveness and chosen to follow him, then your citizenship in the kingdom of heaven matters. And it matters that we embrace the privileges that we've been given, that we embrace the fact that it's a privilege that we get to trust in him. Sometimes we feel, I I know that you can get all full of, I can get all full of myself because I know the truth, but it's a privilege. And also we need to embrace the privilege of suffering. Now, I don't suffer very much. I don't particularly suffer at the hands of the world outside of the church. But the one thing in this passage about our privileges that really resonated with me is that I am promised that as I suffer, I will do it not only with my brothers and sisters in the kingdom, but I will receive encouragement and comfort and fellowship along with a heart that keeps changing. Those are privileges we need to embrace. And then it matters that we uh, live out our expectations together. The expectations of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven is that we all live as a community and that we're humble and that we're selfless and that we're looking out for other people and that we don't argue with one another and that we don't complain. And we live this way because these things matter in the kingdom of heaven. Something else that is important for 2021 is that we bring honor to our king. It matters because as God, Jesus deserves every bit of our praise. He alone rules. He alone rules. And finally, all of this matters because if we live in these ways, we will be lights in a very dark world. Our lives will really matter they will have eternal consequences. They will. Now my thinking is that at the end of this passage, Paul needed to add one more sentence. And that sentence should have been, now go to your rooms and think about this. Because that's what this, all this makes me feel like I have to do, to go to my room and think about it. It's like, how seriously do I take my citizenship in the new kingdom of God? And how much do I embrace the privileges of things like suffering? And how often do I consider all of these expectations for a citizen of this kingdom? 
How often do I think about? It's important that I don't argue or complain. I know if I just start thinking about not complaining, I have a lot to think about. And I want to end by just reminding you that if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are a citizen of the most important nation in the universe, led by the most powerful emperor in the universe. An emperor who did not think of equality with God as something he needed to hang on to, but rather he died a criminal's death on the cross for you so that you can live a life that is a light in a dark, dark world and that you can, with every other tongue, gladly confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the supreme authority in both heaven and on earth and under the earth, and this is what really matters.